0: Sometimes we have this idea for some reason that Sunday morning is the focus and everything we need to, need to do to grow as a Christian. Just show up on Sunday, go to church, you know, and the rest of the week do whatever. And, and if you believe that, you're missing out on a huge part of what it means to grow in faith. Some of the things that God uses does not happen here on Sunday mornings. Hopefully he uses what happens here on Sunday mornings, but that's not always the way that uh, it happens. Because one of the things, one of the catalysts that God uses to uh, grow our faith is relationships. Uh, Relationships are powerful. Uh, If we think back upon our relationships and those of you who are people of faith, who have accepted Christ and you're growing in your faith, uh, let me ask you this question. If you could think about this question, just think about it for a moment. Who is someone God has used to grow your faith? Who is someone that God has used to grow your faith? Now keep that in mind there for a few moments because uh, you're going to have to do something you hate doing in just a moment, but this is about relationships today, and we're going to practice it. Uh, for those of you, there may be here as well people today, though, who maybe have not come to, this, to the church because you are, are a growing Christian, but simply because somebody invited you. And maybe you've not come to the place yet of really saying, uh, you know, I accept Jesus Christ. I'm not really sure about the Bible. We have people all the time that come to Great Oaks, and we're glad that that happens. But let me say a qu- second question that may be something that maybe you can think about is this. Who in your life has possibly God used to cause you to have interest in faith? I mean, I'm just asking. It's a possibility. I mean, maybe somebody encourages you in some way, encourages you to seek about God, invited you to church, whatever. Okay, the two questions, once again, number one. Who is someone God has used to grow your faith? Number two, who in your life has possibly God used to cause you to have interest in your faith? Now, you have that in your mind? A person or two? Okay. What we're going to do this morning is something that if I was sitting out there, I'd hate, but I really, you know, this is about relationships. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. Everybody stand up. It's your last opportunity to stand for a while. What I want you to do is find somebody that you don't know. Okay, and share the answer to one of those two questions with them. And you have 30 seconds, and that's total, so 15 seconds apiece. Go now. Do it. Quickly. Stop. Find your seat. Now, that was incredibly painful, right? Anybody make any new friends? Okay, yeah, cool. You know, when I, I remember my sons here, uh, I saw this. Used to be in school when they were growing up. I'd out from coming up from school, you know, and you, I, you probably ask your kids this question. You, you ask them this question. I learned it was a bad question all along. What did you learn in school today? And what was always their answer? Nothing. Our schools are totally ineffective based upon our, what our kids' response is. You know, they learn nothing ever in school. But then I'd ask them once in a while. I'd ask this other stupid question, which was about as dumb. Is did you make any new friends today? Huh? You know? So I asked you that question this morning. Did you make any new friends. Maybe you, you talked to somebody for the first time. And you was actually developing the first stage of a relationship. You actually shared something with them about yourself. You know, if I answered that first question myself, uh, who is someone God has used to grow your faith? As I thought about that question, I thought about several people in different stages of life, but I want to focus on just in my teen years and early 20s. I think of three people in particular that had huge influence in my life uh, as a, as a teenager and then as a young adult. Um, the first guy was a guy named Harry Stockton. Harry was a guy that uh, in the church that I grew up in, the Baptist church that I went to. Um, Harry was a guy that um, he was known. His wife was the piano player. You know, musically talented, very va- vocal, very very. You know, Harry was was musically challenged. Uh, Harry not only could not carry a tune, Harry sang louder than anybody else in the whole church. And so if you sat next to Harry and you were trying to stay on, you ever sat next to somebody, don't look at him, you ever sitting next to somebody and you're singing and you're trying to sing praises to God and they're so off key that you can't even possibly stay on key. Harry was that kind of a guy. That's what he was known for. But Harry was something else to me. Harry was my Sunday school teacher when I was in the ninth and 10th grade. And Harry was a guy who who spent time with us. Harry also was kind of interesting. He was an architect, but he also was uh, an ex-Marine. He was uh, he had been to Vietnam two tours, and and he was uh, led a, I think it was called an A team there. He was a person who had gone through all those things. So in our Sunday school class, it was really cool. He told us war stories, you know, stuff like that. But and for guys, young guys, that was so cool. But the issue was, is Harry spent time with us outside of class. He would invite us over to over to his house. He would do other things with us. And I began to realize years later the influence that Harry had on me as a teenager trying to explore some issues of faith. Later on, when I was in my early uh, like nineteen twenty, I had a kind of a crisis of faith. I almost I kind of almost left the church. I almost got kind of willed away because of a lot of issues that were going on in my life. And I remember two people in particular that had huge influence in, in my life during those years. Both of them were what we called summer youth workers in that church I was at. We'd have college or, uh, you know, just kids, guys just right out of college. They would come in for the summer. They'd be a full-time youth director for the summer in the church to help us in their activities and stuff. But two guys in particular, and they were, they were pretty close to the same age. They were maybe two or three years older than me at the time. The first was a guy named Donnie Kasin. Donnie, Donnie was a guy that I don't remember anything he ever taught me. I really don't at this point in time. I do remember the relationship we had. Donnie was a guy who would spend time with you. And I was, you know, a, a geeky, insecure uh, person exploring, thinking about going away from the faith. And Donnie went out and reached out to me and pulled me back into the church. He would spend time with me and do things. And I remembered he would ask me hard questions. He didn't mind asking the hard questions in my life. And Donnie was the kind of guy that relationally was huge in my life at that time. And he kind of helped draw me back. And then the next summer, after Donnie was there, this one summer, the following summer, summer there was another guy. He he just graduated from Baylor University, and uh, his, name, his name was Frank Allen. And Frank was a, a tennis player at Baylor, and, uh, you know, he was a real cool guy, and, and he played tennis with me and just beat the fool out of me and, you know, and taught me a whole lot of stuff about that. But more importantly, Frank was another type of first person like Donnie was who invested time in me. And spent time with me outside of the group structure. I mean, he was there for that and, and doing other things, but encouraged me along the way. Now I could think about throughout the years, the other people in my lives, and you probably just shared about some people in your lives at different stages of life, of your life that helped you to grow in your faith. The reality is this, is that these relationships shaped my view of who God is. And whenever you hear a faith story, The thing is, is that you always hear about relationships. I mean, people will say, "Well, I was going along living life, and and then uh, met this girl or this guy, and 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 they were they shaped, they helped me to go back towards God, or or I attended this, was invited to this Bible study, and the people in the group, it's the people in the group helped uh, build." Uh, build my faith, or or I started a new job, and it was this person at work. It might have been my boss, or a coworker, or somebody that kept talking about God, and but they did it in an encouraging way, a positive way, and, it, and they shaped my faith. I rarely ever hear faith stories that have nothing to do with relationships. That's why here at Great Oaks we talk about relationships so much. We talk about small groups and accountability partners and connecting with people. That if you're gonna, if you're gonna grow in faith, one of the catalysts that God is gonna use in your life is relationships. Relationships. Well, the opposite is true. If, you know, if people can encourage in your faith, there's the opposite is true as well. You know, the other question might be this. Looking back on life, has there been anyone who undermined your faith? Somebody that you had a relationship with, a, a person you may be dated or a person somewhere along the way that uh, as a result of that relationship, you believe less about God. You begin to question God. See, the thing is this. If you're honest, probably the greatest regrets, your greatest regrets in life could be traced back to a relationship. Uh, a phone call you wish you'd never returned. A, a, a date you wish you'd never gone out on. Uh, uh, an invitation you wish you'd said no to. Uh, a business opportunity you wish you'd walked away from. Relationally, it, it can influence us not only positively, but negatively as well. The habits you have a hard time breaking were probably introduced to you by what? A relationship somewhere along the way. Some buddies. Some friends. Uh, and we have to go through life. And they, they, the thing is this. See, the wrong kind of relationships, what they can do is they can undermine our faith. And the right kind of relationships tend to grow our faith. The challenge is, knowing that, what, does we do, what do we do with that? What do we do with the fact that relationships have such a strong pull, a strong influence in our life? The question is this, how can I leverage the fact that I have these current relationships that I have, how can I leverage them to help me grow my faith, knowing that they will affect me positively or negatively? Now, if you haven't asked that question of yourself, you're missing out on something that God wants us to be very focused upon, one of the great catalysts, one of the things he uses to grow us in faith, about being intentional, about who we're around. You know, it's... Um, I don't know about you, the culture we live in does not draw you toward faith, right? And at least the culture that I live, the world around us. And and my own nature is, you know, I'm very tempted to do the right thing. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's, you don't have that issue. I mean, I'm going down, you know, I'm, I'm doing something, and I and I really wasn't going to be kind, but I just kind of gave in and became kind. You know, just overcome my nature and did it. You know, you just don't fall into kindness. You you kind of make a situ- you make a choice to go that way, to do the thing that you need to do. See, my nature and the culture moves me to drift away from, from confidence in God. That being the case, what can I do to help me to build and establish healthy relationships that will help me move towards God? That'll help me to grow in my relationship. Well, scripture tells us a couple of things about that. Uh, there's a couple of scriptures that, and there's tons of scriptures that deal with because if God uses people to pump me up, to, to build me up and to create greater faith, what do I need to do? Well, for instance, in the Old Testament, there's a scripture in Proverbs thirteen twenty that says this, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. I mean, how more straightforward can that be? That doesn't take, take a lot of, you don't have to go to seminary to understand that verse. Basically it's saying to us the people that you choose to spend time with have the potential to impact you spiritually. You choose to live life with wise people, people that are godly people. Guess what? You hang out with those people, God tends to use those situations, those relationships to create in you the potential for spiritual growth. But then on the other end in the New Testament, it says this in 1 Corinthians 15:33, it says, "Do not be misled." Bad company corrupts good character. Do not be misled. Not only can the people we hang out with, you know, make a difference in us, but human relationships can have a negative spiritual impact. Basically, it says this. Whoever you hang out with makes a difference. It makes a difference in your life. That is why we maybe seem fanatical at Great Oaks about talking about small groups All the time. We're constantly saying, you're probably saying, oh, man, I'm going to talk about that again today. Oh, no. This is important, folks. Because as, 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 as great as it is to come on Sunday morning and sit in rows, if that's all you're doing, you're missing out on one of the greatest catalysts for growth, one of the greatest tools that God uses for growth, and that is Relationships. Positive spiritual relationships, and what we must do, and what we must do, is be intentional about building those. Sit us, sit ourselves, set aside time to get with people who will encourage us along the way to grow and to be there for us. We began to think about how to how to illustrate that this morning uh, in this time, and so what we did is we talked about this whole thing of of how can we do that. So we said let's let's pick a group, not a perfect group, but a group of people who tend to live this out pretty well, this thing of intentional relationships. And let's interview them and ask them some questions about how this works. And so Chris, our our adult ministries pastor, is going to come, and this whole small, well, a good portion of the small group uh, is going to come and going to share right now about some things that have gone on in their lives and about how this works in them. And then I'm going to come back after we finish and give a brief challenge. So Chris, lead the way. Thanks, Bill.
1: Let's see you guys get settled in. Um, one of the things that uh, okay. Bill talked about uh, last service and and maybe skipped over a little bit this service is that we we encourage people to date small groups. Try a small group if you've never done one before. Um, we do semester based format, twelve week semester in the fall, twelve week semester in the spring. And uh, so we have people that come in and out of small groups at various uh, stages of life and various reasons. And um, and we encourage that. You know, try a small group. Try um, find one that fits. And so what we have here is a group of people that. Um, make up an existing small group, but also some past members uh, who are still connected. There's people out in the audience uh, that are part of this small group and been connected, and uh, you're going to hear a a specific story today. But before we get to that, I want to hear you guys just talk um, real briefly. How long have you guys been meeting together? Um, Mm -hmm. And some of you are not with them, but when were you? And kind of how did you guys come together? So just talk on that.
2: We've been together, um, some of us have been together for probably five to seven years. Um, different small groups we met um, in the fig small group, and then it's kind of grown from there. And then some of uh, the others have been together just for probably within the past six months to a year.
1: Okay. So, so new people. And Jeremiah, um, Rebecca, I know you guys are probably the newest in the group. So yeah. how did you guys get um,
3: <clears throat> Just to share a little bit how we came to the group. <clears throat> I, uh, I met Tracy and Pastor Chris. I worked for a local ministry in Peoria Peoria Rescue Ministries, where uh, we target the inner city. Uh, We have crisis shelters, and uh, we target addiction and offer counseling. Well, they had a a volunteer opportunity. And through that, I got to know Pastor Chris and Tracy pretty good. And I just really connected with Tracy Um, as we got to talk further. He um, shared with me, and I shared with him of my past, that um, I not only work at the ministry, but I was... Delivered there about four years ago, my boss Jerry and uh, uh, the staff there helped me get over about 20 years of addiction to drugs and alcohol, and some uh, crime. But um, and he asked me to share testimony, and, and me and my wife ended up doing that both, and we got to know the group, and we just really was surrounded by love, and they just I knew that these people uh, were truly showed the love of Christ, but. Also, I knew they were just as messed up as I as I was, so <laughs> me and her fit right in with that. <clears throat>
1: the, the more you hang out with this small group, the more you'll understand how true that statement is. So, um, how has this group and anybody jump in on this confer- this question? How has this group helped you grow spiritually?
3: Go.
4: <laughs> For me, the small group has been very beneficial for me because after being in one for a while, I realized that a lot of the struggles that I have in life and and problems that I deal with, there are other people out there that have the same things and the same problems. And it was good to get to know people that could help with the insight and and help with the ideas and how to deal with that situation um, to not only grow as a person but also grow spiritually as well. Um, Being in a small group also, we hold each other a little bit more accountable for, for reading and for studying and, and so many times I say, oh, I want to read this chapter, I want to read that, but if I if I don't have somebody that I'm going to have to talk to about it or have the opportunity to talk to about it, I may not read it. I may say, I'll read it tomorrow or next week, and then two weeks will go by and I haven't read anything, but knowing that on Wednesday night we're going to get together and we're going to talk about it, I'm going to read it and I'm going to get a lot more out of it um, because I know we're going to talk about it pretty deep. So. Um, you're you're building relationships with each other, um, and you're helping s- each other, supporting each other, but you're also building your relationship with God through the whole process too. So it's it's completely beneficial.
1: Yeah, good. What one other person?
5: Uh, it's more in a Bible study uh, each time that you do have to like prepare. Like it wasn't always Tracy. Like I know Dave did it, Bill Trout did it, I did it. So we shared the burden of having to prepare and, and do the lessons and, and planning. But we also did uh, outreach for. Uh, I know Denise and, and uh, Scott had a next-door neighbor who needed the yard cleaned up, and, you know, we got out there with chainsaws and pretty much tore it up. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, we did outreach together, you know. We and sent another small group to clean up the thing. <laughs> so. so anyway, you know, it's not just a Bible study, but it's uh, uh, nurturing each other's kids and talking through issues. So it's, it's a good deal.
2: And just one thing, it's not a burden really to prepare, it's just what he was saying. So, um, I'm kidding. But anyway, um, and one other thing, you know, I make mistakes. As Jeremiah said, we are just as messed up. It doesn't matter what it is. All of us have things that we deal with on a a different level. And our small group has been there to help pray through those different things. And then they've been there to celebrate. We had a daughter get married, and they were there to celebrate with us and those things. So they're there to celebrate with us and pray for us, so it's more than just it's an extended family.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, as I I thought about this interview, um, a verse that came to mind this morning uh, was from 1 John 3.18. It says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And your group has expressed love and action multiple times through the years. But recently, one of your group members went through a life or death situation. And Jeremiah and Rebecca, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. Um, share that story, Jeremiah. You'll, you'll drive it. And Rebecca, jump in in case you forget something. So.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that particular evening happened to be uh, when we were in small group. It was on a Wednesday. Um, I, during the day, I had been negotiating, uh, collecting rent from a house that me and my wife owned on the uh, outskirts there of Peoria. Um, the tenant had been behind uh, off and on. I didn't research her background very well. I was towards... Uh, when she moved in it was getting cold and I wanted to get it rented but um, I had talked to her on the phone and we agreed that I would meet after group to collect rent I told her I would uh, pull up and give her a call when I got there um, and it just so happened that night that my son my uh, my oldest son had been with me he had some things he needed to get from the store so he rode with me and Rebecca had dro- driven separately we were running behind I think I don't remember what the reason was why we drove separate but um, so I pulled up, uh, well, you, you left group, left group and, and
1: Rebecca was hesitant Yeah, about was, you leaving group. She was right? hesitant. She didn't Rebecca want me to share on that. If you would,
3: she didn't want me to, to, um, leave because of the area that I was going into and so. everything.
6: So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so went right before he left. I just asked, I just told him I didn't want him to go. Um, I told him, I just don't want you to get shot. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want you to go. And, it was the area where that had been happening lately. Um, so he kind of brushed me off. He's like, it's going to be all right. You know, I'm just going to meet her really quick. I'll stay in the truck and everything will be fine. And,
1: and, and Jeremiah, you're not naive to that area. No. I mean, with your work with the ministry, with your, your history, I mean, you, you know yeah, that environment.
3: I, I, in my past, it, it's surprising because, yes, I have been in, in those areas um, quite frequently. Before I got saved, I... Uh, so I didn't have any any uh, real fear of going down there. I'm not I don't I wasn't stupid. I stayed in my truck I would never get out, you know, but anyway I uh, I told her I was there she'd come out to Meet me and as we were negotiating I had my window down and we agreed on the amount because they she seldom had what you know Was seldom uh, had what what she needed to have so I'd started to write the receipt and I seen somebody come up out of the, the left side, and uh, there was a man standing there with a gun pointed at me. Next thing I knew, he was asking me for the money. And One thing I know about uh, being in that area is that these people don't try to scare you. They, they will shoot you, and they shoot to kill you. So my only thought then was that, was that my son was there if I could try to get out of there. If they got me, then hopefully they wouldn't get him. And He shot one 9 millimeter round into my chest. Um, I drove about a block and a half away and where the ambulance took me to St. Francis, God was involved in the whole thing because the shot that he, where he hit me is a death shot. It's There's about one in 25 survived. I went in and broke my ribs. That deflected it. Just a barely a small piece of my lung uh, was clipped, and then the bullet lodged in between my neck, my esophagus and trachea, and that's was about the safest place it could have went without doing permanent damage.
1: So you drive off, you're a couple blocks away, you call 911, and then the next call is your son calling Rebecca.
6: Right. He, right before he passed out, he handed the phone to Elijah. And, um, I'm still at small group, hanging out, talking, kind of trying to say goodbye, get the girls together and leave. And here I get this call, it says Jeremiah. I thought, oh, he's calling me to tell me to hurry up and get out of here because he knows how long it takes me to say goodbye. But um, it's Elijah on the phone, and he says Jeremiah got shot. And I, I said, what? You know, I just said that statement, so I thought he was joking. I thought they were playing a joke on me, and I was like, no. And um, he said, no, really. And when I uh, told the group what Elijah had said, they were all like, no, you know, it was a joke. Stupid one, but it, um, <laughs> but then um, Elijah had the police officer got on the phone, I said, you know, he's," and then everyone saw my face and knew it was for real, and I was kind of just starting to shake and, Um, I asked the officer how serious is it, and um, the officer said that he was still conscious going into the ambulance, he was alert. Um, And I just felt this sense of peace come over me. I knew God just gave me this peace about he was going to be okay. And I felt everyone in the group just kind of snap into action around me, um, getting their coats together, you know, kind of discussing what was going to happen, like the next step. Um, because I, I didn't know what to do. As soon as I hung up with the officer, you know, we started thinking about what, what's, what are we going to do? And I was like, I don't know. So Daniels kept the girls there. Their, their daughters watched um, the girls that night. And um, Janice and Jannie drove me to the police station to get Elijah. And all these things I couldn't think through on my own. I, I really was just scared and nervous and kind of in shock. Seemingly composed, I guess, but I was really a wreck, and um, and they just helped me right then and there. I never felt alone. Never once did I feel like I was facing this thing by myself. You know, Tracy took got my van, and everyone just took care of everything, basically.
1: And, and you guys, I mean, a lot of you went down to the hospital. Lees, you, yeah. you guys weren't even there, you guys got the call and immediately jumped in the car right, went down to the hospital, and you had family in the area that was at the hospital. You had some coworkers from Peoria Rescue. Talk to me about the hospital that night. I mean, what what was the experience like, the environment? What did what did some of you guys jump in? What was it, you know, how did you respond in this situation? So,
5: Lisa got a, uh, a call from Jannie and, and said he had been shot, and I was like, okay, now what do you do when a friend gets shot? I mean, I was like, okay. You know, I know when this happens, this you know, there's happens. There's no flowchart for that. No, you right. don't. I couldn't figure out, okay, now what do you do? And she's like, well, we go to the hospital. So hopped in the car and went there. And uh, one note, um, we're sitting there in the emergency room, and his the scene of the crimes up on the TV in the emergency room. Is like, It's like really the whole experience. Uh, you were just like, wow, did this really just happen? Yeah. Yeah.
6: I can say that having... Um, well, Jeremiah's family, his sisters and his mom, you know, um, just their, the trauma that they were going through um, of not knowing how he was going to, you know, how he was and none of us knowing, but having the group there just filled the the waiting room with the presence of the Holy Spirit and just having people there praying for us and just supporting us, just surrounding us with love was huge. I mean, I mean even one of the, the funniest memories from that night is Elijah getting five bucks off Elisa, of <laughs> was kind of scamming five bucks out of her. But she was like, "Yeah, oh, it's okay." You know, it just kind of, just having people there to to just be there and support. Yeah. And it was huge. I mean, I don't, I really, honestly, if I would have left group, that's how I see God's hand. If I would have left group when I was supposed to, <laughs> I, I would have been by myself. Yeah. And I was not by myself at all that night. I was surrounded.
1: Yeah, Lisa.
6: Well, um we made it to the hospital before Rebecca, Janny, and uh, Janice, and uh, Tracy was there, and um, so Rebecca wasn't wasn't there. She walks in and of course, you we are expecting her to be um, a basket case, um, not knowing what was going on with her husband. and uh, she walked in and it was just this incredible piece. She had this just incredible piece on her, and I told Jeremiah that later, I said. You need to be proud of her because that was just an incredible testimony yeah. about how much faith she had, and she may not she may not felt that at the time, but she certainly um, she certainly presented herself in such a godly way. It was incredible, yeah. really, to watch.
1: And, and and it didn't stop there. I mean, it wasn't just that night in the hospital. I mean, you guys and and others in the church mm-hmm. came around the family in the coming weeks after that. Talk to us a little bit about
4: that.
3: Yeah, not only. Uh, this isn't everybody in our group. In not a, You couldn't fit probably everybody on the stage that was there to support us. Pastor Bill was there on more than one occasion and uh, prayed with us. It, um, the love of Christ was truly shown um, here through the church and this group. And my family at the mission, I, uh, I just can't express it. It's always been clear to me that my recovery, it was a nine-week recovery, and I was back to work in three and a half weeks Because of the prayer and support of the church and our small group, that is why I recovered so fast. And I've never been unclear of that. I just appreciate everything everybody did.
6: Yeah, we just had a lot of visitors come into the hospital. And when he got out of the hospital a week later, we had two weeks' worth of meals come into our house. And not only the meals, but the people who brought them just bringing prayer and support and friendship and love with them through our doorstep it was amazing um invaluable to me and just the organization and the the blessing that that was was huge i mean not only did our small group be there but like you said the rest of i mean our small group connected us with the rest of the church body
1: yeah absolutely yeah it's 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 not every small group remember gets shot just, you know, letting you know that if you've never joined a small group. It's
6: not a program, you know,
1: it? if you join a small group and you ask, have anybody been shot? You no, know, you know, probably the answer is gonna be no. But groups go through a lot of different things together. Um, some really great and, and celebratory moments like weddings and and you know, births of children, and then some very tragic things, you know, people get injured and cancer and illness and, and job loss and, and how do you manage all of those ups and downs if you don't have those connections? My wife Karen and I have talked a lot you know, if I weren't a pastor and we were to move to another town, the first thing we would do is get plugged into a church because we need that faith community. And, and uh, gentlemen, as you guys talked about this last last service, that, that you don't have family around here. And so this is really your family. Right. Uh, Carrie and I
5: moved here seven years ago. All of our family is in southern Illinois. The nearest ones about two hours away. So uh, I would just encourage anyone out there that's not plugged in. And I was I was resistant about 13 years ago. Carrie, uh, uh, earlier when Bill talked about what person... Uh, demonstrates faith, and it's my wife. You know, she she saved my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting plugged in with a small group, this is this is our family. This is this is Carrie and my extended family. And the Bible is full of truths and promises. It tells us that when when trials and troubles and problems come our way, mm-hmm. it's not if, it, it's when. So they will come, and uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't hesitate to pick up the phone and call anyone up here on this stage, anyone I've been in small group with before. I know they'd be there and with prayers and love and and support.
1: Yeah. Anybody else jump in and, and what would you say to people sitting out here who have never taken the step to get plugged into a small group and, and try that out? What would you say to encourage them? Uh,
5: the first group might not be the one that you that you go with. You might try sure. one or two. You might try one on Tuesday or one on Thursday, but um, you'll you'll kind of sense it. We've had people come and go from groups. We've tried different groups. So don't think that the, the first group that you come to is going to be the one. It might might not be exactly right, but you'll find a fit if, if you really want to do it. If you want to have an excuse as to, I don't want to do
1: it because of this, well, then you'll find an excuse, whatever it is. But try it, and uh, I think you'll like it. And, and, and you've got to give it more than a week or two. I mean, uh, we do semester, 12-week semesters. You know, commit to 12 weeks. Because if, if, if I jumped into this group within a week or two, I'd probably leave because of Chris and Tracy. So <laughs> I just, you know. No, I mean, date a group. Bill talked about that. Try out a group. You know, experiment with this. Um, anything you guys want to throw in before we, we close out?
4: Um, I just want to say I know a lot of people um, don't like to come forward and they don't like to take that step um, and make that effort, um, but it's definitely worth it, um, especially if you're if you're new to the area, like Dave and Carrie were seven years ago. You know, if they didn't take that chance um, and take that effort to try to get connected, then they wouldn't have the friendships that they have now and the in the support that they have now. So all it takes is just is one try um, to check it out and see what it's like, and you'd be amazed at the friendships that you will form um, in the church. And then also your your relationship with, with Christ will definitely strengthen as well. So it's definitely worth it. Um, so put aside your nervousness and just jump in and go for it.
1: Absolutely. Jenny, anything you want to add? All right, all right. Can so you guys give them a round of applause? Right. Thank you, guys.
0: I think what Chris said is, is so important as well, the Chris Lee. Um, the thing about, not, Chris Jinder said some good stuff too, but Chris Lee, the last thing he said there was, uh, you know, about uh, you might try a group. That's what we call it dating groups. You know, when you date people, what do you do? You're trying to find the one that fits, you know? And so sometimes it takes a while. It does, sometimes people give up on groups quickly because they got a little group and they're going, like, eh, I really don't gel with them people. Well, try another group, you know? Just don't give up. But give it a while, build a relationship, and uh, it's going to make a huge dividend. Because the thing is, I, I'm excited that you come on Sunday mornings and sit in rows and listen to the teaching and sing songs. But if that's all you do, that's all you do, you're missing out on one of the greatest things that God can do in your life to help you to grow. And also the thing that he gives to you, uh, not only to help you to understand the Scripture, because as you, as you share Scripture together, you learn stuff from each other. And, and, and another thing you do in a small group is that you have accountability. You've heard about that accountability aspect of, of that as well. But also the care aspect of it. it. All those things are important in the groups. And this is why this morning we wanted to have this group. Not Once again, they'll admit they're not perfect people by any means. But they're people who live life together in a real way. And they and they share and encourage. And so often I've heard people in the church are going like, you know, they're not connected and something happens and they complain, you know. Well, the issue is, is, folks, if you're not connected, if all you do on Sunday mornings is sit here in a row and you don't know anybody, you've not built any relationships, it's not intentional in your life, what happened is... Don't complain, because you've not spent the time, you've not spent the time to build the relationships that you need to build. Because I hate hate to tell you this, in a church of five, six hundred people, which we have on an average basis on Sunday mornings between the two services, if you expect Chris and I and Nate and Dan to to, to take care of all of your care needs, it's not going to happen. There's too many of you. God, Jesus only had 12 disciples that he basically ministered to, you know? And then they minister to other people. And those other people, it was an expansion thing. God has built the kingdom that way. And so I'd encourage you to get connected with people because God wants to help you to grow. That's one of the things that you're going to talk a lot about is how to grow uh, this morning. So I encourage you, as you go out the door this morning, there's going to be some folks out at the table. Uh, you can sign up and try, date, try um, one of the small groups. There's going to be groups that's uh, around the sermon series Oasis we're going to do. it starting in a couple of weeks. There's going to be uh, men's fraternity, women's sorority. There's those those type of things. And if you really want to try kind of what I call a starter group, is, uh really a uh, first step. First step that happens on Sunday morning during the time of one of our services. There's information about that. It's a short-term group as well. And that will give you the opportunity to begin to build relationships with people because God uses relationships in powerful ways to influence us towards Christ. And you just heard some stories about that, how that happens this morning. I would encourage you right now, if, if you may be a person too that's been around this church for a long time and you and, and and you're a person who really needs to be leading a group or encouraging other people. And because you sit and you pray for people and you're encouraged about people, but I hear all the time stories about how people about how people are already doing that in communities, people that are uh, taking time to spend time with some teenagers or with some other people in the community. And I hear that, and it's not really something structured so much through this, but it's, it's still important. And God wants us to do that because relationships are so important in our lives. Uh, I would encourage you just to pray about that and think about that. Don't don't pray about too long. I think it's obviously in Scripture that God wants us to do it. Sometimes you just need to go for it, and, and it will make a difference in your life if you take the effort to do just that. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll... Um, Then we'll have a closing song, and then we'll go our separate ways.
2: Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.